just like crack, the first hit is free. Because now Chris is jonesing for some Kubrick. Because we're talking movies, we're talking Pass of Glory. Starring Kirk Douglas, Ralph Meeker, and George McCready. Written by Calder Williamson, or William Ham, Jim Thomason, and Stanley Kubrick. And you guessed it, it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. I'm not afraid of dying tomorrow, only of getting killed, Chris. Gentlemen of the court, there are times that I'm ashamed to be a member of the human race. And this is one such occasion. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it will be the 11th of November, which here in Canada is Remembrance Day. Uh, that's the day that we celebrate the armistice uh, and the end of World War One, which was the 11th month, the 11th day of the 11th hour. So sticking with the tradition that we started last year, we are doing an anti-war film from Stanley Kubrick, uh, Paths of Glory. Uh, yeah, Scott, uh, why don't you take us away? What do you think? All right, so we're gonna we're gonna be playing some hot potato here because uh, after four weeks of hearing that I'm the horror expert, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, I'd like to pass this to our military aficionado, Chris. Why did I watch this movie? Uh, thanks. I mean, yes, I, I I spent some time in the military. Uh, my actually, my great grandfather was you know fought in the First World War, uh, so I'll, I'll I'll do do my part when it comes to uh, this film. So obviously it's a World War I film and it's an anti-war film. Uh, Stanley Kubrick uh, has kind of like three films that distinctively stand out as anti-war films. Uh, Paths of Glory, uh, Dr. Strangelove, and obviously Full Metal Jacket. Uh, both kind of touching on different aspects of anti-war. Dr. Strangelove is obviously like extremely farcical and the like ridiculousness of command. Uh, Full Metal Jacket just talking about like the sheer insanity of training troops and then like what happens when they deploy um but i would say that you know paths of glory talks a lot about kind of like the uselessness of command especially in the first world war um how like objectives are so arbitrary how uh the lives of the men that are sent off to you know take in this in this respect the anthill um were just kind of like brushed aside, like it, it was irrelevant. You know, the, what what mattered was the greater the greater glory of the flag, and more more importantly, the uh, the officers in charge. So, um, yeah, first look, Scott. What what's your takeaway? And then, like you said, we can play some hot potato back and forth. Yeah, uh, like to me, I don't get how this is an anti-war film. Okay, cool. Yeah, give me give me your perspective, and then I'll like push back on that. Well, yeah, like pretty much it. It was, you know, you, you stop their battle or their mission they're supposed to to achieve that they didn't achieve because, you know, Gal Gadot was not there to wear the Wonder Woman outfit and walk across no man's land. Um, but, and then it was this trial for, I still don't get why this trial, like even plot wise, I don't get why this trial was done or even like i'll say a few good men had a way better fucking trial than this one which was like prosecution one line 
the the accused one line and then Kurt Douglas had one line and then it was like the next guy up so I'm like I didn't understand what the fuck the point of the trial was okay so I will I will unpack some of that stuff so the fact that what makes it an anti-war film hey that's a great question um so there are films that glorify war, right? There are ones where there's great heroes and they leap onto the parapets or over trenches. Um, there's little carnage. There's no real loss. You know, your, your side dominates. I mean, some of this is, uh, if you think of like, you know, kind of like a John Wayne style hero, um, kicking ass and taking names. So there's, so there's none of this. There's none of this in Paths of Glory. Um, there. Oh, I will. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. How is Kirk Douglas not that John Wayne? So he, Kirk Douglas is basically doing just the, the basic role that an officer would have done leading his troops in the battle. But they did not win the battle. They take heavy calorie, uh, calories, casualties. They retreat. Um, you know, they, only ha- they almost have their own positions fired on by their own artillery. So, like, it's, there's nothing <clears throat> glorious about what's happening. The guys are just getting like, mowed down everywhere. Um so, and, you know, I'm going to just talk about a bit of the filmmaking. So one of the things that Kubrick does really well, so first off, it's shot in black and white, which gives it that kind of newsreel feel, like almost like you're watching a documentary, like you're in the trenches with them. Um, and he uses POV in the trenches. So the trench walls are extending up and you're basically going through and the troops are looking at you as you're basically uh, Kirk Douglas's character, Colonel Dax. And so they're watching you and they're, you know, they're coming to attention or whatever. And so you get that kind of claustrophobic feel of the, the walls of the trench kind of reaching up around you. And even the, the bodies of the, the living troops and stuff really in close proximity. Um, and then he juxtaposes that, right? He contrasts that with these really nice, big, wide, wide, wide shots of like the almost like palatial living that the senior officers, like the generals and stuff, like they're basically in palaces and they're, you know, drinking cognac and having champagne. And I mean, there's a gala, right? Like they're, they're at like a, like a, like a fancy dress gala right after this like battle has happened where these guys got sent off to their own death. So, <clears throat> so that's kind of like where the anti-war sentiment talks about just in some really, really, really broad. Yeah. Strokes. But like in terms of like, I think Douglas's character was played kind of like a Superman. Because if you look at that battle when he's leaving it, the artillery or whatever comes, the 50 minutes are done. He then climbs the ladder. Mm-hmm. Then he's the only one at top. You figure the you know the German side would have shot him by then. Then he has the referee whistle, and he's just blowing it. So now the German side should know where he is to blow him up. And then he storms it. With a pistol, while well, everybody else has a right. So that's actually how, that's how ridiculous the charges were during the First World War. So, and again, not to get too much into like military tactics and strategy, but like the artillery has now killed or got the Germans under heavy cover. That's the whole point, right? Soften up the target, but that's why they didn't fire longer, right? Because they don't want the German artillery to be able to zero in on their artillery positions. So they soften up the targets and then basically get ready to go over the top. The whistles get blown. Up the ladder you go, and then it's like a, a sprint as hard as you can into those other lines, right? It's, it, was, it was the fucking stupidest concept in, in warfare. Like, there's a reason why it was, like, the war that was supposed to end all wars, obviously, until the fucking second one and, the, you know, all the other bullshit that we've done since then. 
Um, Because, you know, everybody loves a sequel. Yeah, everyone loves a sequel. So (laughs) this this film is actually based on a true, true events. So the Susanne Corporal's Affair happened at near the end of the First World War. Four corporals in the French army were shot by firing squad as an example to the the rest of their their companies uh, because of like cowardice in the face of the enemy. And I don't have enough information on that specific affair of whether it was picked at random or they were actually themselves cowards. Um, but it is it is considered a black mark in like French military justice that it wasn't appropriate. Um, so that's where that comes from. The book is based on Paths of Glory by Humphrey Cobb, who's an Italian-born Canadian-American screenwriter and novelist. So he actually, so he's he, he was born in Europe, moved to the United States. Then at 17, he joined uh, the Canadian Army in Montreal, went to Europe and fought in the First World War for three years um, before coming back and then obviously like writing his book and stuff like that. So this, this book is written by a veteran about a real event. Uh, and then it was actually turned into a screenplay for, or I guess a stage play um, by uh, Sidney Howard, who was also a world war one veteran who was the scriptwriter for gone with the wind. So, I mean, it's pretty, it's as accurate as you're going to get for that kind of time period. I mean, this thing was banned in multiple countries for a very long period of time because of its anti-war sentiment. So I don't know. Did I answer your questions there? I, I feel like I rambled on for a long period of time, which is kind of typical of me. Oh, I was going to say that's what our what our podcast is all about: <laughs> the ramblings. Uh, <laughs> and I managed to get a Canadian heritage moment in there. So, yeah, I'll say in terms of um, characters, I enjoyed plots. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the. I guess he he. I'm assuming he's like the lead guy, the General George Brulard. Are you talking like the general that's a, with the scar on his face? The no, one no, that... the other guy. Oh, the like the, 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 top, one... the top general. Yeah, like he, the Machiavellian guy of the whole movie, where he literally talks the other general into doing it when uh, the guy with the scar is like, "I don't want to do it," and he like he literally like reverse psychologies the shit out of him. I mean, and I don't want to say you're like, getting a promotion, okay. and I don't want it to have any bearing on that promotion, but. Uh, you know know, or another another star because you know you deserve it and then he's like all right let's do this and then same thing right once it didn't go through and he knows that um it's not going to go well he literally dumps the general with the scar like the paul uh general and then starts working on kirk douglas like you're going to get a promotion and then when that doesn't go well, you have the ending of the movie where it's like the general just said, you guys got to go back on the front line. So yep. literally just walking out everybody that was there. Right? So that's actually a great. So, okay. So my quote this week is from uh, Michael w- Williamton from the Chicago Tribune, both a terrifying grim look at the battle and an excruciating tense courtroom thriller together. It's a devastating indictment of war as conducted by opportunists and liars. So exactly what you're talking about, like whatever it takes to get this battle done. Oh, you don't want to play fucking ball? Fine. Back in the trenches you go. Next, moving on, because I'm going back to champagne and caviar anyway. Um, and that's why actually the the courtroom scene, I agree. I love the courtroom scene in A Few Good Men, but I mean, it's essentially, that's the entire stage play or the film. That's the pr- premise is the lead up to that, is that, that that quickness and that like ridiculousness of that courtroom scene 
just shows how little they care about justice. They're like, they're, these, these people are not getting a trial. It's a fucking kangaroo court. The, the guilty verdict is basically already there. Like every defense that Kirk Douglas raids, he's like, no, 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 no. Can't do that. Can't do that. Stop wasting our time. Uh, then by the way, here's some duck. Have a great day. Cause we're going to fucking shoot you tomorrow. Or sorry, buddy gets almost knocked out. Well, he gets knocked out. gets almost killed. And they're like, uh, just make sure you wake him up before we shoot him. Like, you know, what do they say? Something like the, the nothing, nothing energizes the troops like watching people getting killed. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, that was that, that was the thing. Like for me, watching it, and this was my first time ever watching it. Um, I can honestly say I will never watch it again. Uh, but did you like it as a film? Um, like just as a like, a, was there anything enjoyable about it? It's. I would say it's okay. Okay. Right. Like it's not. What did you like? like I'm not. That's the thing. This movie made me 100% indifferent, right? Like it didn't, um, like knowing where Kubrick goes, right? Sure. Like the films he's going to make, you can see that this is early in his career, right? Where he's still kind of honing his craft, where like the, the film we did, uh, The Shining that we did before, right? Where, you know, everything was meticulous everything from the dialogue to this right and i think having it him early in his career and having a lot other screenwriters and stuff like having their say on it where and i don't know if that's what it is like it doesn't like it feels like it's um like 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 is like less a kubrick film than say the shining yeah, uh, but also it's more like this is Kubrick doing a studio film. Sure. This isn't a Kubrick film. That's right. This is him just in the studio studio system, right? Yes. So here, he's, I'm he's just, just gonna, the director. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just going to stream these around because, you know, in two more years, I got to do Spartacus. So I got to keep Kirk Douglas happy. So let's just get this going kind of thing. After that, I got to do 2001. But I, I think, like any early um, director, right? Like, what knowing how he ended up in terms of his style and seeing it here, like you see the the germ, you see the origin of it. But it's like in my head, I'm like, okay, this. If this was made ten years later, it would have been a 100 different film. Yeah, right? it would be full. It would be Full Metal it Jacket. Would, is what it would have been. Um, but you can, and I agree uh, with you, like you, but you can see that Genesis, like you can already see how he likes to move the camera, right? Like the camera's always moving or it's not always moving, but like he likes to get in on those POV shots. It's moving through the trenches. Like, like you said, you can look later and go, that's where it starts, right? Like that's where he starts to play with his control. Your, your example, 100% of him, not even him walking, the other general walking the trenches and saying, hello, sir, soldier. Yeah. Are you married? Hello, soldier. He shell shocked. There's no such thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that like little voice he did. Uh, but when you're doing that scene, you can literally juxtapose it to Danny riding his little tricycle going through the the overlook, right? Because yeah. it's close enough and it moves fluently with 
the movements that they're doing, right? So you can see how it works. And don't get me wrong, he is an amazing director. I'm sure he's on a lot of people's, um, a lot of people's like top five of best directors of all time kind of thing. So I'm not like, what he's forgotten about filmmaking is more than I would oh, ever yeah. learn. I, I would like to know like what was in the garbage can and I would just string that together and it would make me the greatest director I could ever possibly be. You know what I mean? Like just the cutting room yeah. floor, just pick it all up. I mean, uh, it is interesting. He's made, you know, at least three war movies. I mean, you could, you could clump Spartacus in there. Um, you can go back. I mean, even as far as stuff as like fear and desire, which is probably the actually so fear and desire, Doctor Strange, love. You got Full Metal Jacket. You got Paz Glory. They're all in that same kind of anti-war vibe. And because I mean, I read a I read a quote where it basically was like the only thing that Kubrick talks more about than sex is war. Like it's in it's in some context in a lot of his films. Uh, he was very passionate about like war being ridiculous, and he talked actually about filmmaking when it comes to like a battle scene or like you know showing a war or whatever. He's like. You can kind of get, and I'm going to paraphrase here. He's like, you can kind of get to like the core of what humanity is in those types of extreme situations where if you didn't have a war or something, you got to try and get there artificially, but you put people in like a warfare situation. He's like, now all of a sudden you can have, cause he doesn't, you know, Kubrick didn't have a lot of, you know, hope for humanity in general. So war allows him to show that in a very quick way. Like, Oh, person's in a battle now they're doing crazy shit now they're like you know killing people they're fucked because at their core people are fucked that was essentially what kubrick you know thought right so that's why he uses war a lot as well right so well i think even um the last the second to last scene where i'm assuming uh they kidnapped a german woman I'm assuming that, so. Yeah, because they're just like, it doesn't seem yeah. like founder her or something. Yeah, and then he was like, she has the talents and she's like crying her ass off. Who eventually became Kubrick's third wife. That's right. And, that and, and, and that was the last wife. That's the one that was with him until he died in uh, what, uh, 1999? Yeah. 1999. Um, but like seeing, I can like having that because to me that was the one scene that just seemed like here's the genesis like here's the story of the movie here it is and it just literally just panned and i tell me if this is what 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 why it was done is pretty much saying like out of the three guys that actually got killed if they didn't get killed they would have been in this room too humming and hawing at a woman that was most likely been kidnapped and raped by yeah. every single one of so these So that's guys. what he's, he's talking about. That they're not actually the good, they're actually not good guys. None right? of them are good, but also but if, if you play that scene out, they're also, they, they, he shows that savageness, right? Like and he uses some like, you know, Dutch angles and close-ups and they're like, ah, screaming for her and stuff like that. And then as she starts singing and then they start humming along with her and then that kind of brings the humanity back into them, right? Like that. And, and so there's that line out of Full Metal Jacket, like you have a peace symbol and you have kill on your uniform. What does that mean, son? He's like, it's a Jungian thing. The duality of man. He's like, what? The duality of man, right? That's Private Joker or whatever. He's like, you don't want to get on board and get with the winning team and come in for the touchdown. Um, you know, 
Kubrick is playing with that. It's like war makes you a ho- can make you horrible. You can still have humanity in war. Like he's he's trying to have these like multi level conversations all within a couple scenes. You know what I mean? Okay, I just thought it was like she was singing like a like a happy birthday song, give or take. And she's just saying it in German, and they're like, by the tune and stuff, they're finally cluing in on the song. Like, maybe it was like Abba Gold. I don't know. Like, Mama Mia. And they're like, fuck, okay, now I knew it. And that's why they're like... Singing along. I think it was to show that even these, like, hardened men at their core had some humanity, which, again, like I said, he, he's talk, he talks about, like, the futility of war, right? Like, and how ridiculous it is. Um I mean, I love Kirk Douglas in this role. Uh, you know, he's got three Oscar nods. Champion, The Bad and the Beautiful, Lust for Life. I love him in Spartacus. Like, that was one of the movies that, like, my grandpa would put on for me and be like, yo, just watch this old movie. Sort of like The Ten Commandments. Like, oh, I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. It's so fun. Um, I mean, obviously, he's Michael Douglas's father. This guy, <laughs> so he was born in like 1915 or something like that december 9th he has the same birthday as me uh he died in 2020 at age 103 after having a stroke at 79 (laughs) this man lived forever that's a long fucking time to be alive man he also served in the second world war in the navy just like me but not in the second world war I was gonna say. <laughs> I told you, man. You dating yourself. I'm looking dating good. yourself. Eh? I'm looking good. Uh, I mean, this film is considered a classic. It's got a 95 uh, 95 critics rating. It's got a 95 from the audience. It's in a sweet spot. It's 88 minutes long, so not quite an hour and a half. Um, they made it for nine hundred thousand. I think it, they made like a million bucks off it, or their budget was a million bucks, and they made nine hundred thousand. And I think I read somewhere that. A third of the budget went to Kirk Douglas's salary. But without Kirk yeah, Douglas, for, for, they wouldn't have gotten it made because it was his production company that took it on board. Yeah, from what from what I read as well, like they knew from the beginning this film wasn't going to make money at the box office, but they made sure that he got paid his, I think his salary was $1 million, so which would have been $9 million or something like that. That's so crazy. <laughs> like your whole budget went yeah. to one person. Yeah, it would have been better if it was like um you know like a terminator 2 scenario or a road road warrior scenario where he only had like 10 lines the whole movie (laughs) yeah that would have i would have made it better but the thing that now has this movie i didn't look into it but i'm assuming you'll tell me has this ever been remade i don't think so like i'm surprised like looking at it i'm surprised it hasn't like especially with special effects now and everything like that have been remade into I mean, a movie now. They made 1917. Right? <laughs> Which yeah, is just like one, one long tracking that, shot. So Yeah, but that movie is totally different, right? Yes. It's and, and it's, this I, I was I that's I was making a joke there. Uh I mean Robert Zemeckis uh pays homage to it in uh uh 1991 Tales from the Crypt episode Yellow. Uh, he also cast Kirk Douglas and his late son, Eric, who, who passed away from a drug overdose uh, as a fa- in a father and son role. Also has uh, Dan Aykroyd in it. And basically it's it's that like it's the same type of thing. Like they're doing a little vignette of uh, Paths of Glory on Tales from the Crypt, uh, which you can see uh, if you just you can look it up on YouTube. It's pretty good. All right. So it's like an homage. 
or a homage, whatever. Homage? Homage. I don't know, with my nativity. Um, I don't know how to say that. Do you, so yeah, anything, is there anything else you want to say about this film? Um, yeah, I'm going to have you stop fucking picking war movies on, on Remembrance Day, because you are zero for two. What do you mean? Right? Like, How last zero year's two? movie was... Gallipoli. Well, last year's movie was... Gallipoli. Yeah, Gallipoli? Gallipoli, Gallipoli, yeah. Um, that movie was like, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense boring as shit. So I feel this like, movie, I feel like, like your understanding of the First World War is much different than my understanding of the Entertainment. War. This is supposed to entertain people, not fucking depress them while they're listening. <laughs> Fair enough. Be like, hey, I get it. I get it. But, so hopefully you're listening to this. At when six- you can say there's a magic lasso that fucking whips a guy around. <laughs> and some killer boots anyway all i'm gonna say boots is are made for walking uh if you're listening to this at six o'clock in the morning uh on next thir- uh, on thursday uh take yourself to a cenotaph if you're here in canada uh and if not uh whatever your uh, memorial day is for your uh servicemen service people sorry and that's all i got scott and that is our rant for the day please like and subscribe to this podcast if you're looking to get a hold of us please go to our website at howdoyoulikethatmovie.com all our social media links are there and you can email us as well this uh and you can keep this as the end credit for the show okay go. uh congratulations you went a whole episode without mentioning tarantino Burton, or no link wait but we didn't talk about tarantino's new project with tim burton that's going to be produced by christopher nolan so (laughs) (laughs) that's the thing you can keep that as the end credit He went a whole episode without doing it. Or a Top Gun reference. It's a nightmare before Reservoir Dogs, starring Tom Cruise as Maverick. (laughs) Hey! Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.